chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians tonight. I'm glad the service has been good. Amen. 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter number 12. I want to look at two verses tonight from the Word of God. As you know, we're just about to finish um, 2 Corinthians. We've been through 1st and 2 Corinthians. I preached through both books. Going through John now, I'll be letting you know where I'll be headed next and we'll be going and continuing to gain and truth from God's Word. I'm going to preach tonight on the subject of when the preacher is ashamed to go to church. Look in verse number 20. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as a wood, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envies, wrath, stripes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, and I pronounce this word tumults, and I think that's close, at least when I come again, my God will humble me among you, that I shall bewail many, which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. Look back at verse number 20. Paul says, when I come, I shall not find you such as a wood. In other words, Paul said, I'm afraid when I show up. This will be the third time he has a desire to go to the Corinthian church. He said, I'm afraid when I show up, things are not going to be where they ought to be. And then he said, I'm also afraid that you're not going to find me like you want to find me because when I come, I'm not going to be happy about some things that I find. And so tonight, I want to look at why Paul, why Paul could have been a preacher that went to church, and let me just say it like this, disappointed at what he found. Disappointed at what he found. And I pray that we would never, first of all, disappoint our Lord, but we would never be a disappointment as a church to the Lord. And so with the help of God tonight, and I ask for your prayers, I want tonight, to share a few things with you in these last two verses of chapter 12 of this great book of 2 Corinthians. Father, thank you tonight for the choir's faithfulness. Thank you tonight for the good songs in the congregation. Thank you tonight, Lord, for the good attendance tonight. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can come and gather around the book and we can just be able to gain knowledge, wisdom, direction, and Lord, if it need be, conviction over that which we need convicting of tonight. Lord, I pray that you would have your way tonight and use this service for your glory. 
We'll thank you for it. And all God's people said. And all God's people said. You can be seated. Tonight as we look at the last two verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I told my wife on the way to church, it's amazing how that the Bible can deal with everything that needs to be dealt with instead of man having to deal with it. We talked about throughout 1 and 2 Corinthians how there were so many things we ran across that God could help us with just by preaching the Word of God. And tonight is no exception. Now, I will say this tonight. I am convinced that a lot of churches are no different than a TV reality show. And what I mean by that is, is there's so much stuff that goes on in people's lives that is unnecessary, that should not be even entertained, should not be a part of life, and yet it seems like we find more and more of these things involved or coming in the church. Now, I don't know about you, but one day when we stand before God as a local congregation, I want the Lord to be pleased, very pleased with the fact that we are a church that can honor and glorify and magnify Him. That means that we cannot conduct ourselves in the way we live our lives like we're getting ready to go on the Mari Puvid show or whatever his name is or Jerry Springer which is a bunch of filth and garbage but that we realize as a church and body of Christ we need to grow up we need to live right not just on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night but we need to get our home straight we need to get our children straight we need to get our relationships straight we need to get our personal lives straight so we'll quit looking like a reality TV show when we go to God's house I've been pastoring 34 years I am amazed and how quickly people mess up their lives. I'm amazed. I will say this, and I've said this to churches all across the southeast that I preached in this year. I am amazed of how hard it must be to be as miserable as some people are. I mean, I think you got to work at it. Right? I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I am convinced tonight that people bring things on their self and their lives. And I sit back in my chair sometime and lean back in my office. And I think, why in the world do people want to so mess up their lives when they've got a chance to do something good? Amen. I don't ever want to be a pastor that goes to church and has to look over a congregation and be ashamed or be embarrassed at the way we live outside 
of the doors. And I certainly am not saying that I am. But I'm just saying that Paul's going to give us some things that we do not need in God's house. There's no place for them. We do not need them. We need to, as Barney would say, nip it, nip it, nip it. Amen. We do not need these things in the house of God. So for just a moment, let's see why Paul was, and the word fear, by the way, in verse 20 is an interesting word. This word is almost, Paul was almost trembling to go to the church that he had started as a missionary. Because you got to remember, if you were with us in previous chapters, Paul had been having to defend his own ministry because false apostles and false prophets and people had come in and they had come in and saying things that weren't true to what Paul had preached. And so he was having to defend everything that he stood for. And by the way, I would encourage any church, whoever it is, to never allow false teaching in its doors that do not line up with the Word of God or the preacher that fills that pulpit that is preaching the Word of God. He says, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such a wood and that it shall not be found unto you such as ye would not. Then he goes on and begins to give a list. Now I'm not going to stay long on each one of these, but there are a few that really caught my attention and a couple of them that I really didn't grab. I've used the word before, but I really didn't grab what the word means until I stuck word, the word there in the passage and the Greek word and what it means. It's interesting. So as you look here in the word of God, you see that he says here in the word of God, lest there be debates. Now that word is an interesting word. We know what a debate is. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to say, you've got to remember, we're dealing with false teaching that's leaking into the church. And so people are beginning to entertain things that are not true or things they've heard from false apostles. And so Paul is saying, I hope I don't find you debating a bunch of stuff that doesn't even matter because you know what the truth is uh, and you ought to stand on the truth uh, and you ought to live the truth uh, and there ought not be debates in the house of God about truth. If a false apostle were to come to Calvary in the way of a Sunday school teacher or a visitor or somebody in a class and they would begin to tell somebody Here's what I believe the Bible says about you can lose your salvation. Or here's what the Bible says about uh, why this is okay or that's okay. When that person would come in and that person would begin to give a teaching that is a, a debatable subject and the least uh, to the house of God, to that church and what it stands for. We don't need that in God's house. Amen. Amen. And I think you would agree with that. I, I, I've, I've thought through the years you just let a little bit of false teaching get in. And I'm not saying this to be mean tonight, but I'll set a Sunday school teacher down or anybody else that gets up and makes a statement like, well, I know what the preacher says, but here's what I believe. If you believe it different, come talk to me. Amen. Church can't have a one-head tater. Right? You understand that. I can't get up here and preach one thing and you go to Sunday school class because you think you've arrived spiritually and you're going to help everybody. You might help them, but it won't be but one time. 
Because somebody will surely come to me. Why? Because you can't have that at God's house. If you have that at God's house, you have debates at God's house. And Paul said, we don't need that. Amen. Amen. Don't mean a preacher's always right, but there's a right way to handle things. Amen. Amen. Second of all, he says envyings. Now, if there's one thing that fundamentalism is growth in, it's envy. And I'll be honest with you, it's more probably from pulpits than pews. I am amazed how much envy there is uh, over people's church, over people's ministry. Some people must be so miserable. People ask me what I think about sometimes. Something I'll say, I pass the Baptist Church Station, North Carolina, 54 White Mill Road. That's what I do. I mean, if so, God's blessing somebody else and they're preaching and standing on the truth, hallelujah. If God's blessing a ministry and that ministry is winning people to God, then hallelujah. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying tonight? What I'm saying is simply this. Uh, that this envy stuff in the pulpit, there's no place for that. But it's also no place for it in your life. You come to worship one day and somebody drives a new Porsche in the parking lot. Not new, but new to them. All of a sudden, the preacher and his wife go down the road in it and you think he done got one. Before you know somebody else's, he's driving. And some people like Brother Mike don't help that. But anyway, listen. Why would we be envious of God blessing other people? By the way, most of the people that are usually envious people are most of the time people that do not tithe, give to missions, because it's all about them. If God blesses you, I'm all for it. Amen? If it's done right. So Paul says, let's get envy out of the church. Amen? You know, God blesses somebody, go up to them and say, praise the Lord and mean it. Wouldn't that be good? I mean, God's been good to you, hasn't he? Sure he has. If God blesses somebody for their hard work and their labor and their faithfulness, then praise the Lord. Nothing wrong with that. Right? One of my men, he's here tonight, he'll tell you. One of my men one time drove a vehicle to church. It's been a long time ago. I don't even remember if I was a pastor here or not then. Long ago, long time ago. And one fella walked up to him and made this statement. This is envy. This is envy. Said something like this. Well, if I didn't tithe, I could drive something like that too. And this fellow looked at the guy and said, because I tithe is the reason I can. Right? Envy. Praise God. Just be glad that you got what you have. Amen. Isn't that right? Be glad. Be glad. Everybody say amen. Paul said we can't have no envy if we're going to be what we need to be. Wrath. Wrath is simply out of control anger. Wrath, most of the time, comes from bitterness. Wrath is a product of bitterness. When people who get have wrath in their life and great anger in their life, they're just bitter people. A lot of people brag about being mean and angry. I'll tell you right now, I'll tell them what I think. Yeah, they probably don't care. But even if they do, what kind of Christian is that? What kind of Christian is that? Because you can get angry 
And I'll tell you right now, buddy, I can fly off the handle in a minute. That means you don't, you're not full of the Holy Ghost. Because there are three things that get out of control when you're not full of the Holy Ghost. One of them is tantrums. One of them is temper. Uh, and really, the other one's a tongue. Amen? So we don't want wrath. Then there's strife. I don't have to say much about strife. You understand that? Some people rather climb up a tree and keep something stirred up than stay on the ground and just have a happy life. Most of the time it starts with something like this. Did you hear? I have a prayer request. Watch that crowd. Wants to call you and pray about something. By the way, that same person who called you and do that never shows up in the prayer room upstairs. Not they show up back in the ladies. They just show up on the Verizon. Amen. Watch that. The word backbiting is an interesting word. I'd always associated backbiting with maybe talking behind somebody's back, but that's not what the word means at all. Literally in biblical days, here's what backbiting was. Backbiting was when somebody would yell out things against other people while they were present and everybody else could hear. Pretty interesting. So in other words, you'd be out in front of a crowd like this and, and, and I would yell out something like, Hey, James Parkhead slapped his wife. And I know he didn't because he ain't been shot. <laughs> you got to know a little bit about that to know, amen. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that's what backbiting is like when we revile people in public loudly. It's when we speak loudly and we run people down and we talk where the person can hear it and everybody else can hear it. I always thought it was mine, but no, because Paul will let us know that's not what that is. So that's something called whisperings. Right? Matter of fact, it's the next word. Whisperings. What are whisperings? Oh Lord. Was Bill Anderson and never sung about it. What are what is what is whispering Bill or whispering Sally or whispering Susie? It's people that just love to tell things just so it can be controversial and cause a mess and hurt somebody and stir something up because that person is absolutely not happy. Right? Can I tell you guys something? I like being at home with my wife. I like watching, I, I, I like watching uh, racing dirt bikes and motorcycles and, and uh, college football. And, and, and I, like, I like that. I'll be honest with you, the last thing that I want to do is run over, stand up, Brother Dermont, is running around going, Russ McKesson, Russ McKesson, been, yeah, he's been messing with I'm telling you, I know, listen, he's involved. So only reason he got that car because he don't type no more. Am I right? Listen, we don't need that in God's house. Can I say something to y'all tonight? And, and I don't hear a lot about this, but, you know, you're, you're people. Can I say this to you tonight? If you can't say something nice, please just don't say anything. 
good does it do? Get in a little corner and tell somebody something. Whispering. Paul said, I'm a little concerned about coming. Then some whispering. You know what he probably was saying? Somebody been whispering something like this. Well, you know, Paul might have said it that way, but that other guy, he's got a good point. They were bringing in false doctrine. Are you with me? Say amen. What is swellings? Oh, we all know what that is. That's bullfrogitis. Swellings is when people begin to think very much of themselves. I got to tell y'all something funny. I was reading when I was studying this and a guy gave an illustration. I'll back up here just a minute. Gave the illustrating about whispering. And this guy's wife was a constant whisperer. Basically a gossip. She would, if she heard gossip, you know, it was hee-haw all over again. We're not wanting to go around spreading gossip, right? That went way back. <laughs> but anyway, and she constantly did this. Well, she was on a trip, and she wore a white dress, and she went to one of the printing companies in New York City, and she was getting a look through the printing company, and, and somehow she backed into a printing press, not realizing it, and it had left an indention on her dress that she didn't know about. And so when they were going down the street, all these people were laughing and all these people were giggling. People were seeing something on the back of that dress. And so finally she asked her, up, she said, would you look at back? Is there, is there something on the back of my dress that shouldn't be there? And she had backed up against that printing press and on the back of her dress it said, Daily News. <laughs> and watch this. Her husband looked at her and said, nope. Everything seems to be fine. <laughs> Amen. You don't want to be a gossip. By the way, if you talk about somebody, they'll talk about you too. Somebody will, or I pray they will anyway. Amen. What is tumults? That's an interesting word. Here's simply what it means. The state of confusion. The state of everything being crazy. The state of everything being out of control. Too many churches, and I believe this, churches can have old time religion and still be structured. It does not have to be totally out of control. It does not have to be, listen, you can still have good old fashioned church and not have a bunch of, of out of control things in it. That word simply deals with being out of control. Alright? And Paul said we can't have that. Now look at verse 21. He says, unless when I come again, my God will humble me among you. He's hoping God will humble him and that I shall bewail many. Now here's a statement which have sinned already. Is Paul going to come back and jump on everybody's case that sinned? No. If you read that verse, here's simply what it means. And you'll see it as it goes on. He's going to deal with people that have sinned already and have not made it right. It's people that have sinned already and have not made it right. For you look back what he says, here's what he says. He says, which have sinned already and have not repented. Right? Listen, we all sin. We all come short of God's glory. But we need when we sin to repent and confess our sins. Amen. Repent and confess our sin. Paul said there's too much. I don't want it to be in the church where all these people are living in sin. Nobody wants to make it right. 
Can I tell you this tonight? Nobody's going to judge you in this church when you fail because we all can fail. Amen. But it's our responsibility to make that right with the Lord. Amen. Amen. To make it right. And Paul says we need to make that right. Look on down a little farther. He gives three things. He says one is uncleanness and repentance of uncleanness. Now this has to do with simply living our life involved in things that are simply ungodly. Here's a better way to put it. Uncleanness is whatever's in your life that keeps you out of the presence of God. Uncleanness is whatever in your life that keeps you out of the presence of God. So in other words, if you've got something in your life and you want to be in touch with the Lord, but it's got you unclean and you don't even feel like you can get in God's presence, that's uncleanness. We need to get rid of that. Then he uses the word fornication. Fornication in the Greek word is where we get the word pornography from in our English language. Fornication has to deal with the physical sins. And I'm in mixed company with young people. So I won't say more about it. But it has to do with the physical sins and things that are wrong. And remember, he's saying not that any of this could have happened, but these are people that did things like this and never repented. Right? So there was a lot of filth. There was a lot of things. And you understand the culture of that day, the preachers, the, the statue of Diana, the, 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 all of the um, monuments to all of the uh, goddesses, and I won't use what kind of goddess, but the goddesses that there were. And, and because of that, there was so much of that stuff. Here's the problem. It was going on in church. The uncleanness, he's not dealing with people outside of church. He's dealing with it in church. Now, you know, I don't, I don't understand it. How do you go to a church that preaches truth every single week of your life and do the opposite of what the Bible says in the way you live? Now, do I believe you can still sin? Well, of course I do. But how do you sit in a seat in a church with God in it and not want to make it right? <coughs> Amen? It's not want to make it right. And then he says, here's an interesting word, lasciviousness. What does that mean? That's just meaning a wicked, crazy, out of control lifestyle. Just, just completely out of control. And Paul said that we cannot have that in God's house. We cannot have that in the, he's speaking to the Corinthian church. But I do want you to remember, at the end he makes it clear, which they have committed. He makes it clear above and have not repented. They've sinned already. They're continuing to do it. They have not repented. And because they have not repented, you got to get that stuff out. Right? Now the move of the modern day church that becomes the you know, church of the glow, or church of the little pebble or whatever it is. The, the, the church of, you know, anything that isn't church. The reason that is so popular is because these things are everywhere and nobody says a word about it. 
But here's the problem with fundamentalism. It's also everywhere. And we hear it's wrong every single week. Now, can I give you some advice tonight? Please don't let me find you on the Maury Povich show or some sitcom slapping your best friend or whatever might take place and living your life so out of control, so messed up. Husbands love your wives. Lives uh, love your husband. Submit and obey your husband in the Lord for this is right. But me, he's a dictator. Disrespect what God put him in your life for. Ladies, as Dr. Hamlin said it so well, complete your husband. Can I say this? Straighten up your life around the things you do because the last thing you'd want is to be an embarrassment to the local church that you're a part of. Amen? And I know good old fundamental Baptists, I know people are. you got people in every church that have arrived that look around at everybody and think, well, I know what they do. I know what they do. Whisperers. That same lady whose dress drags the ground. That same man or woman who has all of the things right in their life, but you couldn't get 17 of these altars together to get their tongue on it. It's still wrong. Amen. God has blessed this church greatly. You, you listen to this from a pastor who travels, who preaches. Sometimes as much as 30 different churches in a year. And I'll tell you, God has blessed this place tremendously. Don't you flesh it up. Don't you pastor flesh it up. Don't you, you pastor, music director, or associate, make sure in our lives, if we got something wrong, let's get it right. Amen. And I'll be the first one to admit to you. My life's not perfect. Boy, in that headline news. It's not. There are thoughts, there are things that we all do, things we think, our lives every day. This past week, I came as close to dying as I have in my entire life. Matter of fact, I don't know to this day how I'm not dead. True story. I was coming home from preaching. Greenville, South Carolina has three lanes of traffic with a wall on either side. There was a road coming into the traffic. I'm in that little key of soul, and my soul got ready to leave. I was in the middle lane, cars beside of me against the wall, an 18-wheeler beside of me saw a car coming down and immediately come over on me, completely, just boom. I think his light on his trailer was about a half inch from my mirror at 70 miles an hour. The car beside of me was almost rubbing the wall. I slammed on brakes, must have missed the front of my car by a half inch. 
been a long time since I felt that cold of chills and my foot shaking. I don't mind going to heaven, but I don't want to go to be a pancake under an 18-wheeler. Amen? Now I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching this. After that was over, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't feeling real Christian. Matter of fact, I think a couple things came out of my mouth that were not real Christian. I ain't telling you what they were. I didn't say I was cussing. I wanted to catch up with the professional driver. I get so sick of hearing that. If you're a professional, look in your mirror, buddy. Brother Glenn, Brother John and him, they're professional. Look in the mirror. For that moment, and the thoughts I had, and what I wanted to pull up beside of that truck and share with that dear fella, because you know how it is when you're scared. You just like you get nervous, man. You scared? Something about scared the life out of you. I was playing golf. My daughter one day, some guys hit a golf ball and almost hit us. My daughter, you know, five foot two. I mean, goes running out, throwing her hands up at him. I said, "Babe, they're gonna get mad. Come over here and beat me up." Listen, God's not saying we won't fail Him. God's just saying that when we do, when we do, let's get it right. Amen. Hope all these things are something you can kind of think about. Try to nip any of them in your life that might be there. God can help you be. Listen, the greatest statement I made tonight is simply this. Don't you listen? What is uncleanness? It is anything in your life that keeps you out of the presence of God. That's uncleanness. It keeps you out of His presence. You can't go home and a husband and wife scream and, and, and holler at each other and have a home that's in the presence of God. Young people, you can't obey, disobey your parents and back talk and and all that stuff, and have an attitude, and be in the presence of God. You, you can't be live a filthy life and be in the presence of God. We have to make it right. Amen. And that's all of us. You know me good enough to know I'm not just going to say things to you. I'll be honest with you, every day of my life, I go to bed some night and thought, Chris, you didn't do a good job today being a Christian. I mean, I do. There's days I'll be, you know, somebody told me one time, I preacher, I'm not never be that honest. People may think you're not perfect. Hello, ask Miss Wendy. There are times we just fail. Not deliberately, but maybe before we think, you know, our turn goes in gear and our brain says, wait on me. Sometimes we just fail. But let's get it right. So one day when the Lord comes for His church, He won't be ashamed. Amen? A lot of good things Paul shared with them, didn't he? Right? I hope that not one of them we have to deal with in this congregation. I hope not. I do. I hope it's not one of them. But if it's one of them that dealt with you tonight, you know, just say, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be envious of my sister or brother when God blesses them. I don't want to be a person that's full of anger, you know, 
strife. I don't want to be somebody that whispers bad about other people. I learned a long time ago, mind your own business. You'd be amazed at how much happier life is. Well, sometimes people say, preacher, did you know? And I say, no, 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 and I don't want to. Right? Can I, can I look up? Y'all stand up so you get encouraged about you going home. You know, look at me just a minute. Miss Hazel, now we, 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 this is our conversation sometimes. She'll look at me and she'll say, sometimes she'll say, Chris, sometimes she'll say, preacher, why in the world do people want to be so miserable when you don't have to? Praise the Lord, man. You ain't got a lot of years. Enjoy it. Quit trying to look for misery. Because it loves what? Company. And if it ain't your business, go on down the road. Am I right? Good things to think about tonight, don't you think? Amen. I preached that so sweet. Lord, have mercy. I did. I asked the Lord, Lord, help me preach that and be nice. Because if I wasn't, then I'd be committing one of them things. I just want a church that people can see us outside of here and know we're not a bunch of hypocrites. Right? I hate when people say to you, does so-and-so go to your church? Yeah. You ain't going to believe what I saw them doing. I don't want to know. Then they tell me. Amen. All right. I hope you have a good rest of the week. Pray for me in the morning. Preaching in the morning. My voice is going to do a good way in morning services. Pray for that. Then tomorrow, then Friday night, Sunday, or uh, uh, Thursday, Friday night, and then Saturday night. Then back here on Sunday. We're looking forward to a good day. And uh, I hope these things help you tonight. They help me because I'll be honest. When I preach stuff like that, I look at them and think, you know, there's some places you can nip it, nip it, nip it, Brother Chris. I do. Amen. And I saw more for Wendy than me, but I mean, I do see them. All right. Father, thank you tonight for such a great number on a Wednesday night. Good spirit. Lord, I believe with all my heart, Calvary Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina, on 504 White's Mill Road, wants to do our best to be a lighthouse, an example. God, we don't want to be a mean-spirited Baptist or an ugly Baptist. or We don't want to be a Baptist, Lord. It's like a, 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 always in a problem and always confused. Lord, we want to do our best to be a good testimony for Christ. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, this is, this is home. This is where we come to get our refreshment. This is where we come to grow and to live better. And God, help us all when we fail you. And Lord, we're going to thank you in advance for how wonderful you are to us. Give us a good service Sunday morning, Sunday night. We pray for souls to be saved. Some folks have asked me tonight about praying for somebody that's under conviction or someone tonight like Mick Victoria that's going through such a tough physical time with her heart right now. We think about Miss Harmon that would never miss a church service and Boy, here lately it's been hard. This when she can't get here. And it's been difficult. Brother Jerry needs our prayers. And so many others. Bless our families. Lord, bless all these young couples. 
because, Lord, uh, they're carrying a torch. You, you bless them, Lord, so they can be good for you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.